everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. This is one of those extra bonus episodes because yes, you're going to see as soon as we get to our guest, this is a phenomenal episode. Yeah, you don't want to miss so this. So timely. Um, but huge shout out to Bands in Town and Hypebot. Thank you so much for everything Thanks, you do to, to support us and spread the word on the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. And, of course, DiscMakers.com. Thank you so much for being a continued sponsor. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musicians. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, and T-shirts at your gigs when they return, but now selling it online has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell, you need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So we put together a great little offer for uh, all of our listeners. Head over to DiscMakers.com. Place an order for CDs of 100 or more. When you check out, put in the promo code Free biz, F-R-E-E-B-I-Z, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. And that's $150 that you can reinvest right back into your band. So that's nothing to sneeze at. Yep. Um, so discmakers.com, 100 or more CDs, promo code free biz, and save up to $150. So Jay, phenomenal discussion coming up here. We are joined yeah, by Dean Sweat from the Paramore Group, who, as a booking agent and a manager, gives us the reality of what he has been dealing with uh, in canceling shows, rescheduling shows, when yeah. is it going to happen, the issues that are being faced. And, uh, you know, he's talking some big numbers here, some, some yeah. big tours as well. So this is a great inside look into the reality of what's happened and currently happening right now amongst yep. the touring industry right and where it's probably going to go yeah and 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 where he thinks it's going to go and you know what's his gut telling him right. so um let it roll listen to dean from the paramore group okay so i'm really excited to welcome dean sweat from the paramore group to the Music Biz Weekly podcast this week. Um, Dean's a booking agent. Paramore Group's an, an, an agency. Um, and I think it's no news to anybody who's been following the Music Biz Weekly podcast or in this business, that's the biggest area of this business that's taken a hit because Hardest of the COVID yeah, crisis. It's live shows. And uh, Dean... We would love to get your take on on what you've gone through since the first day that all this stuff was shut down, how it's changing, how it's impacting, your thoughts. There's so many things we could talk about here. Okay. Okay. Well, hello, everybody, and uh, thank you for uh, having me on. Um, it's been an interesting uh, circumstance uh, I've been in the indus industry for 46 years, 
and you suddenly wake up one day and everything you've done all your life suddenly doesn't exist. Uh, I'm both an agent and a manager. Uh, for me, it slowly started to unravel uh, and uh, then it all fell apart uh, really, really quickly. Uh, timing is everything. Uh, my biggest artist is a tribute band from England that's the greatest Freddie era Queen tribute in the world. They actually sell out the same arenas with the same promoters in Europe that Queen uses. Wow. And they were supposed to start here on um, <clears throat> March 19th and... Uh, uh, everything fell apart about four days before they were supposed to leave the country and it was yeah. one by one suddenly uh, first thing I had was uh, a corporate event there was a private event at Austin City Limits for a uh, corporate organization and they had been promoting the heck out of it and they had the biggest attendance ever and in the course of a week, they lost 139 people. They normally have uh, 150 people. They actually had 269 reservations, but these were all corporate execs that I found out later were all in the oil industry. So they're people from Exxon and Mobil. Sure. And, and one by one, they had 189 cancellations in uh, a week. And, they did, and it wasn't the people not wanting to come, the company said, no, uh, uh, can't, uh, we're not going to let our employees out of the country. We're not going to let them come there. So, bam, I lose that date. Uh, they forfeited their deposit. Uh, and uh, then one by one, all of a sudden, you get an email from uh, City of Aspen. And uh, the city of Aspen closes down everything over a hundred people. Then all of a sudden, uh, uh, one by one, emails uh, state of New Mexico closes all events uh, over a thousand. And I've got nineteen hundred wow. seats sold out in advance. Uh, uh, then it's state of Illinois, no events over a thousand and I got a sold out show, 1900 seats and boom, 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 one by one, it all just fell apart. So, uh, and then uh, earlier in the week, it, it actually started with the Marco Mendoza club tour. Uh, I was doing a three week club tour and uh, a good friend of mine from Toronto called me up and just said, man, we got to reduce the fee or we got to cancel the date because they had started ex experiencing it before we did. And he just flat out called. This is a guy I've known for probably 10 years. And he just said, the boss says, I got to cancel this, 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 and this. Reduce this, this, and this. Or uh, go find myself a new job because wow. he won't be able to afford to pay uh, my salary. And it's like, okay, we'll do that. And about three days after that, then everything fell apart because I had Montreal and Quebec and Ottawa and Toronto. And then I was coming into the U.S. And then Canada falls apart. And then one by one, the U.S. falls apart. Uh, 
So, Dean, Dean, you know, it. If I, I'm thinking back, and you know, it's like this wasn't that long ago. This is basically March because I remember, you know, March sixth, I went to um, a Kiss show here in Oakland, and I remember they had decided to cancel all their meet and greets because of the virus. But the show went on. But by one week later, everything yeah. was canceled. So within, within one week, everything changed. But initially, I seem to remember a lot of people were like, well, you know, April is done, but maybe we'll be back for May or June. At what point did it set in with you to go, this, wasn't, this isn't going to be a one-month, two-month downtime. This is now... 12 months, 18 months downtime. When did that change in, in your view? Uh, when the major European festivals and the major U.S. festivals started canceling and then uh, Live Nation uh, canceled everything for the year. So that wow. wiped out all the House of Blues, uh, Fillmore Club yep. shows, yep. plus all the big stuff. Uh, when all the major artists uh, um, started canceling tours, but I mean it's 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 real screwed up because the nobody wants to cancel. We're all hemorrhaging. So nobody's voluntarily going to jump off the bridge. Uh, uh, most club shows uh, have been canceled till like June 1st. So they're going a month at a time. But as an example, I have a Killer Queen tour in July. Uh, I have uh, 8,000 capacity venue in Toledo. I have a 6,500 seat venue in Richmond. I have a 4,500 seat uh, venue in uh, 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 Shelbyville, Delaware, which is basically DC. I have a 1,500 sold out show in Huntington, New York, which is uh, in Long Island. There's no way in hell those are going to happen. But we're not canceling. Nobody's canceling. Well, so, like, me, that's right. Well, let, we let, know it's not going to happen. Let's just accept the reality and let the fans, let everybody know instead of just faking it. I mean, in the fall, I have a 2,000 capacity venue in San Francisco. I have a 1,000 capacity venue in San Luis Obispo. I have a 2,300 seat show uh, out in Temecula, just outside of L.A. The mayor of L.A. said no shows in, uh, in L.A. this year. Do we think any of those are going to happen? No. But, have, you know, is anybody canceling? No. I mean, I've already picked up all next year, have gone and told everybody, here's where you're going next year, because I already had most of next year booked so we had to open up more time to move our entire year into next year and keep what we already had. Dean, so. let me let me ask you. So the the it it's obviously been a hot topic with with the fans who have tickets for shows when a show is postponed versus canceled. And correct me if I'm wrong or what's your take on this, but is is isn't the isn't the the mindset of the the promoter 
if we cancel it, we're on the we have to refund. If we postpone, we don't have to write out of the box refund all the money because there's as we all know, there's big floats that are sitting out there somewhere of all these ticket purchases. Cancel the show, that money has to has to be found, has to be returned, postpone the show. You're still sitting on the float because now the show is technically happening. Is that what's going on? Yes. No, nobody wants to give any money back. Everybody's trying to reschedule rather than cancel. And across the board, the way it's been working is uh, if you're rescheduling, if you reschedule the date, uh, you're not going to give any ticket refunds back and I'm not going to give you your deposit back. Now, right. that's one thing if I move uh, from April and June into July or October, but now I'm uh, uh, going to move a whole year in advance. These people aren't going to want me to sit on 10, 15 grand uh, for a year. They need their money back. That's so right. once uh, uh, once we move everything into next year, then there's no choice at that point in time. We'll refund all the uh, uh, deposits and yeah. we'll start all over again. Now, yeah. I don't know what the uh, promoters are going to be because you're getting into all kinds of legal issues because you have somebody that says, I just spent $4,500 on Rolling Stones tickets. I need my $4,500 back. Right. Now. I don't give a hoot about next year. I need my money now. So, and and you got Ticketmaster and Live Nation going, don't care. You know, uh, dates rescheduled. So there's going to be all kinds of lawsuits yeah. coming out of stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. Makes so, a lot of sense. Uh, eventually... Uh, Eventually, I think they're going to have to do refunds. Well, it's the same thing. Okay, I, I have a sold-out show in, in Albuquerque and, and Aurora, and I've moved them from April into June or, I mean, into July or November. Uh, as far as I know, I've suffered little to no refunds, to be honest. I don't know since they've rescheduled if they are offering refunds usually they're not going to voluntarily do that but if you call up and want it uh i'm sure they would do it uh sure. but now you're now you're going to move those into next year so now what are you going to do do you yeah. re, uh, refund it all do you just leave the option to uh the fans you know if you want your money back we'll give it to you otherwise your ticket's good for next year. So if I buy a ticket, there are fees involved in that that are adi in addition to the actual ticket. There are convenience fees, whatever you want to call those different fees. <clears throat> How does that work? Do, the, do those get refunded too typically, or is it just the base price of the ticket? I would think it's the base price of the ticket. Yeah. Technically, I th uh, my opinion is that uh, you should... I'll give it back. Since Live Nation owns Ticketmaster, it's like, hey, you know, we all lose in this situation, so we all don't make any money. Uh, the fan doesn't get to lose your money, the promoter, uh, uh, the artist, and, right. and and you keep your ticketing uh, fee. Now, Dean, oh, Dean, oh, oh. In, 
no in, longer exist. Yeah. In in your in your expert opinion, because you are in the front lines of this, are we going to see shows at all in twenty twenty? Is it realistic for a fan to sit here and go, well, I'm going to be going back to concerts this summer, this fall? No. I don't think so. Uh, it depends what you consider a show. I mean, uh, as I, uh, my, my Queen act is like a 1,000 to 8,000 capacity artist. Uh, uh, they won't tour here at all this year. Uh, uh, I'm actually starting to have concerns about next year doing 4,500 and 6,000 and 8,000 uh, uh, capacity venues. Uh, uh, last year we did 8,000 people at Red Rocks. Are we going to do that next year? Are we going to have social distancing measures that are going to uh, reduce our capacities. I mean, I'm prepared for the fact that, yes, we might play these big outdoor venues, but under different set of circumstances, so I'm prepared for uh, reduced capacities and restructured deals. And I'm only a 1,000 to 8,000 uh, uh, drawing artists, so I mean, scale that up. You know, it's just like football games and soccer games and stuff like that. I mean, the Dolphins are talking uh, about opening up for the season, but they've already said we might have to only do 15,000 people live out of like 65,000. So, so there's uh, less revenue. Who, yeah. who gets those 15,000 tickets, you know? Right. So there's less revenue if there's less people but michael and i were talking earlier there's probably going to be increased costs involved in taking care of these venues and making sure that things are disinfected and all of those things less revenue more expenses um let, let me ask you this how, how far in advance do you typically book a tour roughly six months to a year I mean, most of my Killer Queen tour for next year was in place. I mean, I was filling holes, but I had outlined where I was going to be for the whole year and when you're, uh, when they're going to be there. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, especially international acts, you're, uh, you're at least a year out. The, the Europeans like to be a year or two year out uh, at least wow. uh, you have somebody like a Uriah Heep or a Judas Priest or somebody like that. They have their next year and a half, two years planned out where it's like Europe is here, the yeah. U.S. is here, China is here. And you have to do it that way if you're touring around the world because you got to sure. figure out. Uh, and part of that is usually defined around the summer festival touring season. And, yeah, and yeah, normally... Normally, everybody uh, tours in the fall and the spring. How do you know, then, how can you do your job if you can't, you don't know what's going to happen six to 12 months from now. It could be 18 months to 24 months before things start. Um, it must be really challenging for you in your role to, to book some of these things. Uh, right now, I'm dealing with the fall because... Uh, I've already resolved myself to the fact that uh, 
the bigger acts uh, aren't going to tour at all this year. The question is, when are all my club artists that draw 100 to 500 people a night? Uh, you know, I had three weeks on Marco Mendoza. Uh, I have a uh, Ross the Boss tour that wants to go out. Uh, uh, ironically, I was right in the process of um, signing a whole bunch of new young artists that are getting um, some kind of uh, active rock radio uh, airplay or have also done that and are also um, have toured the U.S. multiple times as support to other acts. So I was just getting ready to sign probably 15, 20 new young artists uh, that are emerging artists. Uh, I, right before Christmas, I struck a deal with a little Stevens Underground Garage and signed three of his uh, uh, wicked cool record artists. So I have all these young artists, all with brand new releases, all getting airplay, uh, and they can't tour. Uh, so, I mean, I was in the middle of the expanding the roster, redoing the whole website, and now it's like, oh, I got all these great artists, what am I going to do with them, you know? So even on uh, the club level, uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do that. I'm hoping the fall, uh, the reality is supposedly phase one is gatherings no more than 10 people, phase two no more gatherings more than 50 people, uh, we're not even to the corner pub level. So when are my artists that do maybe 100 to 500 people actually going to be able to play dates? Uh, as I say, nobody's canceling, so the clubs are doing it uh, a month at a time. But at the same time, you have artists that are just going, we're not going to play this game. We're canceling the entire tour for the year. So the... The clubs are trying to hang on, but even if the clubs aren't canceling, uh, some of the artists are, so some of their dates are going away. Uh, most of the artists and most of the clubs want to uh, reopen as soon as possible, uh, and then it's all like state by state and city by city. Uh, so how do you book a tour when this exactly. city is 50, this city is 100, this city is 500, this city is 1,000? Uh, so yeah. it's like trying to hit a moving target. So uh, basically everybody's dropping back to the fall. Everybody took the spring and moved it to the fall. So you already have one of the biggest touring seasons of the year, and now you've just taken everything from the spring and moved it into the fall. Uh, I was uh, working on um, <clears throat> a package, a little Stevens Underground Garage uh, Presents package with a, a band called The Empty Hearts and, uh, and Dwight Twilley, who I manage. And uh, I was talking to The Empty Hearts uh, um, agent and... I had, I lost about 25, 30 dates. He lost about 150 dates. And we were going to... That's tough. Uh, we're working on where to do the tour, and we were going to do it in the fall. And he comes out and says, I'll tell you right now, for a fall tour, we're going to be the fourth to the tenth hold on every date we do. 
And it's like, how the hell can we book a tour if you're going to be the fourth or tenth hold on every date we're trying to do? So it's like, move it into January, February. So we're already starting to, the fall's getting over fall uh, crowded. So everybody's just going, screw it. Forget the whole year, just move everything into next year. And uh, I think we will... Uh, still see shows happening this fall, but I don't see any tours happening. I mean, uh, I can see if I'm lucky, I'm going to be able to put together little runs of dates, three, four, five dates all around the country based on who has what the venues have open. Uh, the other thing I see, um, I don't see a mad rush out the door. I, I see this is. Uh, uh, a long, slow trickle back to normality. Um, I would expect that artists will do uh, about half what they normally do, and and what's going to happen is if you if you've played a venue for ten years and you've drawn five hundred people every time you play there for ten years, and your guarantee is based on those five hundred people and you suddenly do 200 or 250 people, you're yeah. going to be paid on what you do regardless of what that contract says. Well, Dean, 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 let me, let me ask you on, on, on that, that subject here. So obviously we, we've all seen that some states are like, yep, it's wide open. We can start doing concerts. We've seen in the last week that, that – um, some shows are like, all right, it's a thousand capacity venue, but we're only selling 250 tickets and you can't buy individual tickets and they're block seats. In addition to all of the added expense of on the venue for taking care of the place, how can artists even afford to go out if they're going to be playing to so few people that that means that the guarantees are gone or they're being forced into door deals which you know that leaves a lot of uncertainty um is is that a big factor on the artist side and your side going well great you're open but we still at the conditions that have been set for right now prohibit us from making money um our world is going to change forever the world as we knew it no longer exist. Uh, the only way the industry is going to survive is uh, everybody is uh, going to have to unite together and uh, work our way out of this. On, on a on a positive note, rock and roll's never going to die. You can't kill rock and roll. We've been dealt a huge, huge blow on, on uh, the industry on, on all levels because, I mean, uh, arena, casino, club, fair, festival, performing arts center, theaters, uh, gone. Uh, everybody that touches anything to do with that, sound and lighting companies, backline companies, uh, catering companies, bus, uh, van rentals, gone, just wiped out. Uh, 
and that's going to take a long, long time to come back to normalcy. Uh, uh, this is going to be uh, uh, a multi-year um, uh, event. I mean, as I was telling uh, the leader of Killer Queen, this year is gone in its entirety. Uh, next year will be a rebuilding year, and hopefully in 2022, we will start seeing uh, some kind of return to normalcy. Um, all the major agencies, all the major promoters, uh, all the independent promoters, probably all the major club uh, buyers have all gotten together and, and they... Uh, have come up with a game plan as far as how they feel we can work our way out of this. And it basically turns all our guarantees into door deals. That's a, there's a new clause that uh, I got three of them in a row, two independent promoters. Uh, uh, um, one was Live Nation. Uh, and, and it basically said, due to the coronavirus, uh, any rescheduled dates or newly confirmed dates. So what did I do in my downtime? I, I typed up all the contracts for all the rescheduled dates and issued all the contracts for next year. Then I get this little clause that says, due to COVID, uh, all rescheduled or new dates have to abide by this following clause. And it basically says if you fail to meet your guarantee, uh, your deal reverts to a door deal. So if I have a $25,000 guarantee and I only bring in $16,000, uh, I get paid $16,000 even if my contract says twenty-five, dollars uh, uh, And... They will. They still have to eat all their production costs. They have to eat all the sound light, backline. Uh, hang on a second. Uh, advertising uh, and and all that kind of expense. All their uh, staffing uh, expenses. But I mean, it's it's a touchy issue because we both have our uh, we both have our own fixed cost. Um, Right, and that doesn't go away. I mean, uh, for an international act, I have work visas, I have tax waivers, I have bus deposits. Uh, uh, that doesn't change. Uh, in in our case, it, uh, timing sucked because uh, we were on an upward trajectory trajectory so we just invested fifty thousand dollars into building a brand new stage and uh, lighting system and uh, uh, gonna take it to the next level graduated from flying to dates and driving around in a sprinter van to pulling a bus a bus pulling the trailer added three more people to the crew. We used to carry backline, or I mean, we used to have backline provided. Now we do it at a cost of twenty-one fifty a day. 
So, yeah, we upped the price because we're now taking all the responsibility. Uh, and so we upped the price to where we are, now have that fixed cost and that reality. And now you're telling me that my deals could now be door deals? You know, so it's like, hit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, what is that a big consideration now for artists to say, well, if we got to do door deals and we've got this huge production cost, uh, no, we're not going to tour. I don't even even if the venues are open, the risk of losing money has become so great that right. we are not going to do a tour until you like 2022 when things start coming back to the way they were. But right now, just because some state, the government says you can open up and do shows doesn't mean the performers are going to do it. Well, like Missouri opened up as right. of Monday. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're open up. Who's going to be there? What, what promoter is going to put on a concert or a show? Uh, what fans are going to come see it? Right. And that's one state, you know, yes. it's not like uh, that does not make a tour, you know, even if it was good. Well, that's what not. makes it so hard is this is, uh, there is no organized uh, national plan and it's all state by state. And then it's uh, some of it uh, they're starting to do in regions. But, I mean, what are you going to do, tour a region, tour the Northeast or the Midwest? Because, you know, they, these four or five states all agree on the same thing. Right. And even then, they still have their own little nuances. You know, they just uh, open to uh, agree to do certain things together. Is, you know? is, so, is, mean, is uh, the rest of the world in the same boat? I mean, uh, Europe, Asia, South America, are they dealing with? reopening venues in the same way yes i so mean it's basically a world it's a worldwide unorganized mess of reopening the business yes nobody okay. knows what to do i mean all the major european uh festivals are gone i mean hell they canceled Oktoberfest in germany yeah yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, that says a lot, right? You know, so I mean, get the idea, you know, uh, and and they canceled Oktoberfest in April. What does that say? You know, they canceled the Olympics. So I mean, Live Nation bailed on everything for the uh, whole year. I mean, uh, one can only imagine what the heck these people are dealing with. I mean, if you're Live Nation and you own every House of Blues venue and every Fillmore venue in the U.S., plus I don't know what they own, own as far as theaters or arenas, but they're all sitting there. They're all prime real estate. New York City, L.A., Hollywood, uh, they're all paying stupid money and... You're not making any income. Look at somebody like the city wineries who's got a small, intimate 300-seat venue. Same thing all over in major markets. Uh, just hemorrhaging money. Uh, a lot of people are going out of business. I was just going to ask you, know, you do, do you... People are do you, not going to survive this. Do you yeah. anticipate a lot of venues, promoters, and even bands to go out of business? Yes. 
uh, I, I see uh, a lot of major agencies are going to go out of business, which is really, really surprising. But I mean, if you're William Morris or your CAA or ICM or somebody like that, and you own a 25-story building in Nashville or New York City or LA, and you've got a thousand employees that you just laid off and you're paying for that 22-story building and you have all these employees with nothing to do, you're going to start losing employees. Uh, uh, you're going to see a lot of uh, major, uh, you're going to see a lot of agents break off, uh, form their own uh, uh, companies and you're probably going to see people like myself representing a major roster sitting at home booking Metallica and Megadeth sure. or sure. or whatever but just one guy that's been their agent for 10 years, 15, 20 years, he's still now their agent but instead of working for CAA he's booking them sitting in his house. It's it's almost so, like a, a, a reverse of what happened years ago when all of the regional promoters were sucked up and it became one which ultimately ended up sort of like becoming Live Nation, it's going to break down and go back to a lot of mom-and-pop agencies. Mom-and-pop agencies and a lot of independent promoters. I mean, it's going to be a... We're going through a death and rebirth. We're not all going to survive, but we're going to come back again and we're going to thrive. The, uh, the irony of all this is uh, we were on the way to, it was either our third or fourth record year. And based on the uh, first quarter sales of this year, we were going to do $13 billion in ticket sales. Wow. Do you, do you, do you, do you see, so this is all because, because of COVID, obviously, and as we come out of this and slowly get back to some some new normal, are you seeing yourself and the industry starting to go, okay, but how do we prepare ourselves for 2024 when COVID-20 shows up, COVID-27 shows up, the next one? I mean, this is the first pandemic that has had this type of an impact on not just the music business, but all business. I mean, we've had we've had these strains of viruses before, but they seem to have just come and gone. They've been controlled quicker. What do you see as the the direction for preparing for the unknown to hit five years from now, ten years from now, two years from now? Because that's the thing we just don't know, do we? How do you rebuild a business when it could have the rug pulled out from you right away again? That's hard. Uh, um, for myself, I mean, it's little. It's little hard to get motivated to book my club tours for the fall, or even to rebook and reschedule the Killer Queen tours for next year when you don't really know if they're going to happen, but you don't have a choice. If I don't try and book whatever I possibly can for the fall, none of my artists are going to be making any money and neither am I. So yeah, you might as well book them. And then if you got to cancel them later, you cancel them later. And at least you, you have uh, 
something on the books. Uh, I, I see all kinds of things changing. I mean, as the everybody's talking about how are we going to reopen, and you're seeing things like uh, 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 whether you're in a retail environment, a restaurant environment, or going to football, baseball, any kind of sporting events, uh, I think that you can anticipate that uh, somebody might be taking your temperature. Um, uh, they might demand that you wear a mask. Um, they might lower their capacities to deal with social distancing. Um, I've seen some of these disinfecting stations that they're proposing for some of these festivals where you kind of walk through and get sprayed <laughs> down. There's all sorts of crazy stuff, man. Well, it's just like I can fully envision like when you go to an airport and you go through uh, – uh, the metal, metal detector, detector stuff, there's going to be something that takes your temperature or somehow tests you. So, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, but I don't want us to see, I'm not ready to download an app that, you know, tells me who I can go see to <laughs> and where I can go and right. that kind of stuff. And, oh, that person next to you is infected and that person's infected. Well, but, but you know, I, I, could, I could see things like, you know, your your driver's license is now going to have a couple extra boxes on it that says you have been vaccinated against this 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 and this and you have antibodies for this 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 and this and show your ID upon entering and if you don't have all those checked off they may refuse entry. It's going to be a whole new thing, a whole new normal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's a, it's uh it's going to be interesting. It's going to be challenging, but uh, as I say, you can't kill rock and roll. Uh, no. On the other hand, uh, there's more consumption going on than ever before. People are buying records. People are uh, uh, downloading and streaming mu uh, music and movies and, and yeah. thing like that. So, I mean, once our... Uh, side of our industry is collapsing and the other side is uh, balancing out. The only problem you have there is uh, uh, so many of the deals nowadays are so bad that even though you're selling records, you're not making any money off of it. True, or, or you, you know, you've got, you've got bands that tour to finance the ability to record so they can release music. And now when they can't tour their funding source has dried up so but you know I, I i can tell you myself personally in the last two months i'm seeing a lot more independent artists continuing to release their music there's they're still going active about releasing music they understand they can't tour but that hasn't stopped them from releasing music sorry guys uh, <laughs> somebody that <work? laughs> We uh, we have the UPS driver coming, and my uh, I have three dogs, and they're saving my life right now. But my wife is running to <laughs> beat them senseless. So sorry, <laughs> dear Lord. I mean, uh, our world is changing. Uh, one of my management artists, that's a new and emerging artist, is playing in front of more people and making more money 
sitting in their studio at home doing a weekly yeah. show than, yeah. than normal. And, and it was like the first show was maybe like 400 and you made like 750. And then the next show was like 1,000 uh, people and you made like a thousand and then I suddenly it's like 1400 people and yeah and I I was asking them is this the same people because uh, it, it's kind of like a tip jar thing so it's That's like right. how long are your friends and your fan you base keep tipping you <laughs> in the, the tip jar and uh, uh, he said what's been happening in their particular case it, it's been growing exponentially because they're picking up all these fans that they used to have that no longer come see them live because yep. yeah. they have lives. They now have kids and and they're married and they're working and stuff. So they're sitting watching the Friday night weekly show with their kids eating dinner or having popcorn or whatever. So they've picked up all these fans that they had at one time. That's that right. Falling off that are now back so it's actually growing so it's been uh, exciting to to watch uh, it can be for artists right i have a client who is making more money now than they did when they were touring clearly there's a lot less expenses because they're not on the road and it's kind of what you just said it's not just the paid tickets it's the tip jar they actually were making more money from the tip jar than they were for the tickets to the event and that now they're getting into this rhythm where it's a weekly thing. And let's face it, there are certain artists that I love that when I was younger, I would go to multiple dates on a tour. Well, as an adult with kids and responsibilities, I can't do that. But if they're doing it online, I can pay for multiple dates. But the thing that Michael and I always talk about is that this is this doesn't mean that when things come back that everybody's going to continue to just do everything online but it will give them another weapon in their arsenal that maybe between dates they can do something like that or as they're recording their new album they can do that before they go on the road it it's kind of going to be a new part of what they do yeah well that's it i mean we constantly change and evolve and that's what we're doing now you know, um, yeah. if we can survive, yeah. So, yeah, you know, at at the end of the day, it's the strong will survive. I mean, you know, okay, your music separates you from being a professional to somebody who's just a hack in their bedroom, but this is this event is also going to be a separating factor because what artists pivoted, evolved, survived, and kept moving forward through this COVID crisis compared to the artists who said, oh, I can't play a club. I guess I'm just going to sit home and do nothing for the next 12 months. Well, if you're going to sit home and do nothing for the next 12 months, maybe nobody wants to work with you 12 months from now. I want to work with the band that's got the initiative to go out there and keep doing it. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, what a better time to get creative and, and record more music and... Go find uh, fans. Make go videos. Find, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, uh, go out and reach a reach a new fan base that you uh, haven't been exposed to before. So I mean, you it it's hard to. I mean, I'm an eternal optimist. Uh, 
but I'm a realist, so it's really hard to constantly keep the eternal sure. optimism sure. when the world's on fire. You, but you I, know too much. Uh, but I'm still positive. I mean, we're screwed right now. The whole world is on fire, and it's not just us. I mean, all my European acts are not playing. Uh, um, everybody's lost everything, and it's on all level. It doesn't make any difference if you're the Rolling Stones or Marco Mendoza. You're you, nobody's doing anything, and. And it's amazing how many major artists make all their money touring. So I mean, when you're on that level and that, and you need that touring income to support your lifestyle, and that is now gone. Yeah, there's a lot That's of people, deal. real high level, uh, freaking out. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's going to be a weeding out process. Uh, the strong will survive. Some people want to, won't want to put the time and effort into it, and other people are going to be really uh, ingenuitive and and create no new ways of of reaching out to people. I mean, there's there's still a lot of interesting positive things going on. Uh, Dwight Twilley is going to release a new single next week that is predicted to do uh, incredibly wor uh, well around the world. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it, but I mean, he will come out as a featured artist on Spotify and, and iTunes uh, next week with uh, a new single, but it won't be just Spotify or uh, iTunes US, it'll be worldwide all at the same time. And, and it's, it's a remake of uh, the hit uh, that happens to be uh, a comfort song. So we shall all see. Right. You yeah. know, right. I'm right. Yep. But uh, he's dropping uh, In My Life by the Beatles backed with one of his original songs and the label and everybody involved all just, you know, they've already reached out and done the market research and everybody's going, Oh yeah, this is going to be great. And it's like, yeah, okay. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I've well, heard this all before. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it's Dwight Twilley, you know, I mean, I grew up with Dwight Twilley and Phil Seymour and Tom Petty and all those guys. And I mean, that is comfort food. It's melodic. It's I'm on fire. It's all that stuff. So, yeah, it might surprise you. There's a lot of folks out there that love uh, love Dwight Twilley. Dean, Dean, before we, before we wrap up here, um, where can our viewers and our listeners find you? Find the Paramore Group. Where do you want to send people to? Just uh, www.paramoregroup.com. Find out all about the company and uh, what we do and who we represent. Excellent. Excellent. This, this was a honest, real conversation about what's going on right now, and and no one's having this conversation. Yeah, right I, now. I think a lot of people are afraid to have this kind of conversation. Well, I think it's it's starting to happen. I mean, some of this I get from my contemporary. Some of this comes from reading, because I mean. Uh, different industry publications like Polestar and stuff are having interviews with uh, yep. the head of Live Nation or Michael, the owner of City Winery. And, and so I've been just, you know, between 
just uh, taking it all in and 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 nobody really knows. We have no idea what the heck's going to happen, right? Uh, and and what the timeline is going to be. But I think in reality, uh, uh, we've all can come to accept the fact that this year for our industry for all intensive purposes is gone will yeah. it come back in little ways will clubs start to reopen and start uh doing shows yes but there will be no major concerts there will be no major tours uh and i've been told till maybe spring or summer next year and i've already expressed my concerns as far as my big shows next year so uh, what's going to happen with somebody like paul mccartney or u2 or the sure. stones that are doing sixty-five thousand people a night i mean and the sad thing is it's 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 worldwide i mean none of my uh, uh People like Ross the Boss and Marco Mendoza had spring tours that got moved into the fall, but the promoters and the agents have already told them, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we got the dates on hold, but uh, we don't know if they're going to happen. That's right. That so I mean yeah we're rescheduling everything but it's a really floating you don't know till we yeah. get vaccine or till yeah. you get enough testing for people to feel comfortable no we're not going to recover uh, and and that's that's the it's it's a two sided situation that people don't look at one you're dealing with the financial situation. Uh, uh, are what is people's financial condition when we do reopen? And that all kind of depends. Have you been working? Did the yep. government uh, bail out help you out or not? Uh, um, and then two, you've got the psychological aspect of it. People are going to be afraid to go back out. Yeah, yeah, for, for quite some time. Uh, no, you're not going to want to go out to the restaurant or go out to see a concert right away. You might go see a club concert or something like that. But, I mean, I don't know how many people are going to rush out to see a Rolling Stones concert. Well, I, I've, I've, I've seen, seen, seen some polls. I'm sure you've probably seen them, too, where it was like, you know, a poll of the general public. When are you going to be, will you come back out if things open up? And the basic answer is over 60% of the, the consumers said, I'm not coming back out until there's a vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. So you use that as your timeline. How long can a vaccine take? Well, they've already told us that could be 12 to 18 months we don't from know. the start to having yeah. it. Now, thankfully, we know. They've already got various vaccines that around the world are being tested, but that doesn't mean they're going to be available to use in 30 days. That test, the whole process well, could get, take I'll, 12 I'll months. Give you an example here. Um, I have Diamond Head playing a festo festival in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Their first visit to South America ever. It's like September 5th or 6th. We've been paid 100% in advance. Is that show going to happen? I sincerely doubt it. San Paolo is the heaviest hit. Um, 
uh, city in the country. It's also like the biggest country. The drummer of Diamond Head lives in France. He's a U.S. citizen and a British citizen, but he recently bought a house in France. Uh, uh, McQuown uh, came out the yes, uh, uh, yesterday and said, if you leave the country, you will have to go into 14-day quarantine when you come back. So then we started talking, well, okay, if we fly to Brazil, they might want to put us in quarantine when we get there. Sure, yep. So does that mean that we have now blown one month to play one damn date? Two weeks, yeah. you got to fly in two weeks in advance so you can be in quarantine for two weeks so you can do the show. And then you got to fly home and your home country is now going to put you in a two-week quarantine when you come home. Why the hell are you going to want to go play a date uh, when one date's going to cost you a month? Right. The, the, these are things that, that the fans are not aware of they don't know this stuff when they sit here and say man just all right the venues are open go out and tour and it's like it's not as easy as just not open, that simple open the door and go play it's not yeah. that simple there's so many things behind the scenes that well, have to be considered well with all my international acts there's there's too many big variables uh like for my tour in july are they going to let you out of the UK? Yep. Are they going to let you into the US? The big one that I didn't even think of, but the leader of the band did, is anybody going to cover you if you get sick? Insurance. Here. It's like, I don't want to cancel a $300,000 tour, but if it's... If I get sick and somebody has to go on a ventilator, you're talking a million dollars. I'm not going to forfeit 300000 for a million. I, I would rather just blow off the tour than take the risk that if I get sick, right. nobody's going to cover me. And, and uh, uh, it's quite amazing because in, in uh, <laughs> the insurance companies don't screw around. Uh, um, um, in uh, probably February or March, I reached out to one of my insurance companies that handles tour insurance because uh, uh, I wanted to protect myself from losing the potential dates. And she flat out said, oh, if you think it's going to protect yourself from anything to do with COVID, forget about it. The insurance companies put a clause in in January in January that said uh, we will not cover anything. So that I was talking to the leader, Diamond Head, and we were having this conversation. And I've never bought travel insurance in my life. I'm not even sure what it covers. I would assume it covers whatever your insurance company doesn't cover when you're traveling. Well, he gets it. He bought it in January. He just got an email that said, no new travel insurance will cover Corona. It's like, okay, well, I guess that's starting to answer our questions. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. You know, not just insurance for the performers, but the venues. You know, if the venues can't have insurance to protect them from the, the unfortunate, oh, my God, you know, 100 people at this show, 
all of a sudden became infected, they got no protection. So these are things that nobody is really, I shouldn't say nobody, the, the average fan uh, who buys a ticket isn't aware of. If you're not in the industry, you don't hear any of this yep. kind of stuff. Like we were having the discussion yesterday, he sent me some articles and what they're doing now is the insurance companies will not cover the festivals. So if the festival can use the um, force de majeure clause to cancel on the artist, but the festival then can't use that to go back to the insurance company to get paid for all their right. losses. Because they're going, oh, no, it's, it's, it's not a force de majeure, it's a pandemic. Yep. And we don't Got cover it. We don't cover pandemics. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I had heard you, that years ago um, when, when SARS was happening, that a lot of the insurance companies at that time had gone back to venues and said, you know what, we're not going to provide pandemic insurance anymore. It's not a clause that we're going to honor. Um, it's just, it, 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 this crisis brings so much to the forefront for people to yeah. think about, learn about, and consider. It's going to change everything. Well, it's the same thing with, uh, like now they're trying to put into the next round that they want to pass. It's some kind of liability insurance because you're now telling these companies, you have to go, you have to reopen. You yeah. know, your meat processing plant, you have to do it for America. Well, what's going to happen when they all get sued by their employees uh, saying, yep. I got sick because you forced me to go back to work. So, I mean, uh, same kind of thing, whether yep. you're in a, a, a nightclub or a meatpacking factory or Walmart, I mean, you're going to have people that were healthcare workers, you know, you force you know, we lost a lot of doctors and firemen and policemen and nurses that died for us. And, and mm, there will be some kind of repercussion from that. And so, I mean, that's the, one of the next phases is uh, the litigation fee phase and how do you protect people from, reopening and um uh, yeah uh, the thing that i always have uh, the discussion we're having now is creating the welfare state um and you're paying people so much money that they they won't want to go back to work um um Personally, I don't believe that uh, if uh, uh, <laughs> I had a file for unemployment for the first time in probably 25 years, uh, uh, I still don't have it yet. But I mean, the reality is unemployment is about 40% of your normal income. Yep. So for the most of us, that means you're going in the hole. So you're not saving our ass by giving us unemployment. We're actually losing money. So anybody that has some kind of career or a job that they enjoy 
no, I think they're going to go back. They want to get back to work. They, they want to yeah. go back to doing what they love to do. Yeah, That's yeah. right. I mean, That's some right. people are going to take advantage of the system just as they always do. But sure, found out that yeah, the whopping six hundred dollars only lasts till like July. So. All that is is an effort to try and make you whole. If you lost 60% of your income, the six, 600 is going to just kind of help balance that out. That's right. You're not that's right. in the hole, but that's only temporary. The problem you have with the service industry, if you have a bartender or a waiter or a waitress or a cook that's salary is like 250 or 350 an hour yeah they make more money sitting at home than they do going back to work because there's not going to be any tips somebody in the service industry that lives off of tips right. uh, you know to me that's still not a welfare state that's given them time right. to get back if you're working in a factory or if you're working in in something where you get an hourly a fair and reasonable hourly wage that's right <laughs> most people don't uh, right um but you're right it's it's a very complex issue there's a lot of layers to this it's not as simple as people may think it is dean we could sit and talk with you all day i hope you'll come back on the show sometime and continue the conversation um really fascinating stuff and, and i'm not hearing a lot of this stuff being talked about how this pandemic is really affecting people like you as well as artists as well as the workers all these people and we appreciate you shining a light on that Oh, and the one thing I will say, the sad thing with everything that they're doing with all their assistance programs, there are is nothing for a self-employed individual with no employees or any kind of independent contract or anything like that. Unless you want to take out a 30-year loan at 3.7%, there is no, yep. Uh, yep. there is no program that will compensate you for all the losses no. that you will encounter and and, uh, and you can't expect a, a full government bailout but it would be nice to uh, replace some of that huge income that you just lost i mean all the artists uh, uh you know they lose like a year's worth of income we all lost uh, income and uh, the, there is no bailout kind of program that addresses yeah. that. You yeah, know? sadly. Dean, sadly. Dean we'll, see if they, we'll see if it changes in the next one. You know <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. as, as as Jay said, I'd love to have you back. Maybe 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 like uh, early part early part of next year as. We're into some new phase of what's going on. We can get your feedback on <laughs> how right. things. are have moved forward it's um, going to evolve because this is this is important information to convey to all of our listeners who are for the most part indie bands and diy artists and everything else you know you're providing a lot of reality here that reality you may not like but it is reality well, and this is what you use to base your decisions that's right moving forward right, yeah so thank you so much. Thanks Dean. so much for joining us, this Dean. Thank you. Pleasure. I, I had a Absolute good time. Pleasure. It's been really enjoyable. I, I feel like I have to say, have a speedy recovery. I, <laughs> I mean, get well soon. I don't know, man. I, I just hope your business comes back sooner than you think it will. 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. Everybody go out and, and listen to Dwight Twilley. Please. All right, Dean. All right, Dean. Take, Take care. care. Stay Take safe. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Bye. com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. <clears throat> Jay, that was an amazing conversation. I mean, the 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 insight and the experience that Dean conveyed with us yeah. You know, again, it might not be a pretty picture to a lot of people, but it is the picture that's out there and you got to deal with it and you got to accept it. And, um, you know, this is even something I feel like fans need to listen to. So you right. understand, you understand. What, what's going on with your favorite band right now yeah. and maybe why your favorite band isn't in a hurry to go back out and book shows right now. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Why your favorite band maybe hasn't refunded your tickets yet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's I mean, a lot of things that he's shining a light on that a lot of people aren't really talking about right now because it is complex. It's not as simple as just, oh, well, this will be over in September 15th, and then we'll go fill up the arenas and everything will be fine. We don't know. Like we, he was saying, maybe it's half capacity, maybe... Bands are playing for the door. Maybe there's disinfecting machines and protocols. We don't know. You can't get five guys to agree on where to go to lunch, let alone how to roll back out the touring industry. So to be continued, but I learned a lot from him. That yes, was a really great this conversation. Was a fascinating conversation. Um, I, I, I would uh, once again want to just do a quick shout out to HypeBot and Bands in Town. Thank you so much for everything you do to support the Music Biz Weekly podcast. And of course, Disc Makers, thank you for everything you do to sponsor us. Um, hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. Hit the follow button if you're listening on Spotify. Subscribe, leave a review and a rating on iTunes. It all means so much we to us. We appreciate it. And um, that's it. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We'll see everybody later this week.